Welcome to Uniquely Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners share their unique stories to inspire our listener. Welcome back to Uniquely Small Biz by Selective Insurance, a podcast for small business owners to share their inspiring stories. I'm Carolyn McArdle, and we're looking forward to bringing you another wonderful conversation with small business owners who are as unique as their ventures. Today, I'm excited to welcome Tim Lowe, co-founder and managing director of Your Next Jump, an SBA 8A certified company providing human resources, professional branding, and career coaching services for those looking to take the next step to finding a job and making the leap. Tim joins me to share his journey, chat about building his exciting business, and giving us a little bit of insight into some of the key traits being looked for during the hiring process. So sit back, relax, and get ready for another thoughtful episode of Uniquely Small Biz, brought to you by Selective Insurance. Well, Tim, welcome. Hey, how are you doing, Carolyn? I'm so good. I'm really glad that we are able to connect. I'm going to right out of the gate, just ask you if you could tell me a little bit about your next jump and, and how it got started. Yeah, absolutely. So your next jump is a career coaching company, but a better way to describe what we do is we are a professional branding company. So we help our clients with their professional presentations. So as they get ready for the job search, we help them with their resumes, their LinkedIn, LinkedIn headshots, interview preparations, salary negotiation, coaching, things like that. As they begin to test that market, we want to make sure that what they put out there is going to reflect them in the best light possible. And that's what we do. We started in 2016. So my background is actually is management consulting. So I used to work for some management consulting firms, some large, some small, so Booz Allen's and Grant Thornton's and then some smaller management consulting firms. And the reason why I started it is when I graduated from college, so this is 20 years ago now. I miss that whole hiring cycle. You know how in your senior year or you have that fall job fair and then you have that spring job <laughs> fair and you really want to hit those. Yeah. And I kind of missed all of that. And I was like, yeah, I'll just look for a job when I get out and didn't go to any of those campus interviews or anything like that. And so when I came out, I realized that it was a lot harder to find a job. There was no networking. There was no career center or anything to kind of help me through all of that. No one's setting up those interviews for me or, or those networking opportunities. So I come out and all my friends, parents are at home. They're all really nice asking me, you know, hey, Tim, how's your job search going? And when people ask you that question, how's your job search going? That's kind of one of the worst questions because you really don't know how your job search is going until you actually have a job. So I don't remember all the details of that time, but I remember how I felt. And that's one of the big reasons why I started this company is because I want when people are looking for a job, it's a time when they feel most anxious. They feel unsure about what's going on. They don't know what's going to happen next. They can't really plan. And so I started this company to come alongside folks and give them some level of confidence so that when they are approaching their job search, they know, hey, at least I know the things that I'm doing every day are the right things. I don't know when it's going to lead to a job offer, but I can have a level of confidence that what I'm doing is the right step forward. It's sort of like If I'm a client of yours, you're my agent. You guys are looking out for my best interests. And how awesome is that? Because as a job applicant, when you're in the market looking for a job, you're always second guessing yourself. Is there something I'm not thinking of or I'm not doing? Or if you really have found a job that you want, 
Have I checked all those boxes that I am the best possible applicant? So to have somebody like your next jump and you, Tim, to take a look at my resume, look at my social media, look at all these things that are going to matter and make sure that I've got the best version of me to present to that potential employer is pretty awesome. Like what a genius service. Yeah. And a lot cheaper than an agent. I can tell you <laughs> firsthand. Yeah. Yeah. So we've had a blast and we love seeing people thrive in their careers and we love getting those emails and saying, Hey, thanks so much. We, I landed this job and it means so much to us. Yeah. That's got to be the best feeling when you get just even one of those emails for somebody saying, I got this job and I for sure would not have gotten it unless it weren't for you guys. That's got to be so full circle for you. Yep. Absolutely. Did you, when you were coming up with this concept and you guys first launched the company, were you targeting solely college students or did you have in mind everybody? Yeah, we were targeting everybody, but we had thought that maybe our biggest customer base would be college students. So thinking back to my own experience, Mm -hmm. and actually it's really funny because when we first started, one of the things that we did was living in the Washington DC area, we were thinking, okay, so how do we connect with this potential customer base, right? And we were thinking the customer base isn't actually the students, it's actually probably their parents, right? There's tons of college students that graduate and maybe they don't have something lined up and their parents are highly incentivized to help them, right? They don't want them to come back and stay in their basement. And so how do you find those folks, right? And there's no email list that you can blast out. And so we said, well, the one time that we actually can get in touch with the parents is during graduation. And so we went to all the school's graduations and this is ended up being one of the dumbest ideas ever. We printed out these little flyer posts cards. And it just said something almost like, does your new graduate have a job yet? If not, we can help or something like that. And so we put them in the windshield during the graduation ceremony. Okay. So when the parents will come out, we were thinking, okay, so they come out, they're really excited. They're happy. Maybe this isn't the best time to bring this up, but this is the one time that we can find who they are. So during the graduation ceremony, put all these postcards on the windows and we had zero calls zero calls. We did at George Washington University. We did at Mary Washington. We did Georgetown. We did all the schools. Yeah. Why do you think that was? Why do you think no one called? I think part of it is on graduation day, that's the last thing you're thinking. This is like, you're coming out of the ceremony. We're going to go out to dinner. We're going to do something fun. Why is someone putting a postcard on this thing? And maybe that reality or whatever just hasn't hit them yet. And they just throw it on the ground and move on from there. Right now, we've worked with a little over 10,000 clients. I would say a very small percentage, maybe 5% of our clients are new grads. The vast majority of our clients are mid-career or executives. So how are you reaching those clients? Is it word of mouth at this point? I I would imagine the postcard idea has been abandoned. How are you getting these clients? So we've had a few bad ideas since then as well, too. That's Um, how you become great, though, Tim. Remember. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can can share a few of those with you later uh, later on. So we started out just Google, Yelp, getting on SEO. And I would say right now, so we track where our clients come from. We ask them, how did you hear about us? Things like that. About 33, 34, about a third of our our clients come from referrals. So these are folks that have a friend or a family member that has worked with us in the past, which is great, right? That's what you, you want that. And you want that number to continue to grow. And then we get a lot of clients just through Google searches. We work really hard to maintain a good review, work really hard to appear in each of the different cities. But a lot of that is through that. And then we have some contracts as well, too. We've worked with, for example, we've had a client that worked with us and she ended up being the human resources director at a company that a few years later that ended up having to do some outplacement or some downsizing. And so she reached out to us. And so we've had some outplacement work as well, too. We're really interesting now, especially with the economy. 
you hear about hiring freezes at some of the larger companies and then now lots of layoffs as well too. And so companies are worried about their reputation. They want to help folks as they exit, at least as much as possible, make them feel like, hey, this is a business decision and, and we are trying to help you. As we start to make our way out of the pandemic, you hear about job change all the time. During the pandemic was the time to sometimes not by choice, sometimes by choice, abandon a job, find a new one. I would imagine that a business like yours, you really would have seen an uptick in clients. Was that the case because of all that job change going on? Yeah, absolutely. And especially in in certain markets as well, too, you know, like the Washington, D.C. area, D.C. area is very much a bubble. So you either government or government related or at least supported by the government, right? Even in 2008, when you had first market crash and all of that, you go out to dinner on a Wednesday night, there's an hour wait to get into to a restaurant. It was 4% unemployment in the DC area. And that's, that's not reality, right? Places in certain parts of the country, you're talking about double digit unemployment rates and stuff. But when the pandemic hit, the first six months were really tough because I think companies didn't know what was going on. They, they were freezing. People didn't want to make moves. They didn't know how long it was going to last. And they were still trying to build out of that remote culture and people didn't know what was happening. And so, you know, our, our sales dropped almost 70, 80% in the first six months, but then almost like a switch right in October of 2020, it just started climbing. And so we've had all of our best months in our company has been since the pandemic. So yeah, there's a lot of people that are looking over the last two years, companies have been hiring like crazy and then also trying to obtain folks as well too. And so we've seen a lot of different things as a result of the pandemic, the folks that are not just folks that are leaving and quitting and, and trying to figure out what they want to do and figure out family dynamics and all of that. But then we're also seeing companies that are for the first time more willing to match salaries when their great employees are going out and shopping around and they come back and say, hey, I found a great offer. I'm going to leave. We're seeing a lot of companies say, hey, well, we really want to retain you. We'll match this or we'll exceed this. And so just a lot of really neat, interesting things in terms of the market that we've seen over the last few years. Yeah, it's definitely a changing time for sure. Is there an industry in particular that stands out to you that you see the highest population of people abandoning? So early on, not by choice, the travel and hospitality industry as they were shutting down. But I think certainly in the tech industry, that that's where we really saw a lot of growth because they have been shielded from a lot of things, right? Where in service industry, you talked about restaurants early on that were really hurt. They had to really try to figure out how to adjust in as quickly as possible, right? How do we get either get outdoor seating or how do we get takeout where we weren't doing primarily takeout before higher end restaurants? You've seen Michelin rated restaurants doing takeout in the middle of the pandemic just to survive. And so a lot of just really interesting things in all different types of markets. Did you notice a trend in where people were going that would leave particular industries. For example, the travel industry, because that was completely shut down, it wasn't like you could go to another travel company, right? And work for them during the pandemic. So was there a common theme throughout that when people left jobs in one industry where they would jump to? I don't know if there's a common theme to like a certain type of industry that they will all jump into, but I think this is where it's really important. Whenever we talk about resume strategy and how to market yourself, we always focus not on experience, or at least we don't open up a resume with experience. We always open up with the skills and the competencies because that is what allows you to transfer out. So for example, a huge group, and I think this is one of maybe the biggest domestic public policy issues that our country is really facing is 
teachers that are leaving, teachers that are especially in, in public school that are leaving in droves, right? And so, for example, we run a webinar once a month for transitioning teachers. When we first started in February of this year, we had 50 people on the webinar. The second one, without any advertising, just word of mouth, we had 600 people register. And then it's been like that what? every single month. And these are teachers all across the country. And obviously, certain states are better in terms of pay and retain. But a lot of it, people aren't leaving teaching because of pay, because the pay has always been the same. It's not like that has changed as a result of the pandemic. But I think there's just a lot of other factors that have played into it. And so there are lots of teachers. You can go on Facebook and find many, many Facebook groups that are focused specifically on how to transition out of teaching. So that is one market or one part of our economic industry where you're just seeing massive changes and they're all trying to figure out how do we make that change? How do I go from being a high school English teacher to customer service or customer success or project management or any of those different types of things. And so we're seeing that that's a really good example of just folks that are transitioning out. Let's say I'm changing careers, right? And I want to go into something totally different, a new industry. What is an example of a key trait that I should have that would make for a successful transition into another job or even another industry? Is there something that everybody should have, like this one key trait that would make a difference? I don't know if there's a, a key trait. I think what's important whenever you're looking to make a transition out of a different industry is when we write a resume, we think about this as well, too. We always tell people, look, you, you don't necessarily want to write what you want to say. You want to write to what they want to hear. And so you want to understand what they're looking for. And so a lot of times there are skill sets that you already have that are probably expressed in a different way in your particular industry, but it's still a skill set that you can take to another industry. So an example would be taking teachers. Again, we had a teacher that transitioned from being a high school language arts teacher to a management consultant with a large firm. She did this about three or four years ago. and She's done really well since then, but we had talked about it. And so we said the job that she was applying for was a communication strategy consultant. And so we said, okay, so are you a good communicator? Yeah. If you're a good teacher, you're one of the best communicators in the world, right? You have to take information, whether it's for six-year-olds or 16-year-olds or 26-year-olds, you have to take information at the beginning of the year that they don't understand. At the end of the year, they have to understand it. And you have to figure out a way of how to communicate that. Good teachers are some of the best communicators in the world, right? And so we open up the resume, not focusing on the fact that she's a language arts teacher. What we focus on is the fact that she's a phenomenal communicator, right? Because that's what they're looking for. And so is there a way that we can see what are the things that they're looking for and maybe highlight those things, even if they're expressed in a different way? We want to show that whoever is reviewing their resume that, hey, I have these skill sets. Yeah. And that's exactly why we need you <laughs> is because you kind of know that like you know that there's a dance when you're applying for a job, but it's just the how do I word this or what do I say that's going to get their attention? That's going to make me stand out from other applicants. And that's one of many reasons why we need you guys. Yeah. Well, we love doing it and it's a lot of fun and we've learned a lot about how to do it well, right? And really understanding who your audience member is. And you know, even as we do a podcast here, we want to think about what does our audience want to hear or what's important to them that would resonate to them that would be beneficial to them. And, and so those are all things that we want to think about. Yeah. I work in radio on the side and my boss has the Witham theory, the what's in it for me, Yeah, which means what's in it for the listener. 
why would they be interested in what I'm saying? So I kind of feel the same way about you and what you do. Why is this employer going to like this applicant? What are you bringing to me as an applicant? And I'm the employer where I need you, right? So it's sort of like you're assisting with that dance, which is tremendously important. Would you say that your biggest piece of advice for job seekers is the same? Yeah, I think so. In terms of different areas, I mean, when we talk about resume, the strategy is the same. Whether you are a new grad or you're an executive, the strategy is still the same for the most part. For other areas as well, too, I I would say one of the big pieces of advice that we give to everybody is networking, right? Networking is so important. And that word is kind of thrown around. What, What does that mean? Old networking would be my dad knows somebody and he called this person and things like that. And now, you know, obviously tools like LinkedIn have completely transform that. You can connect with anybody within any organization, whether you have any type of connection with them, even if you don't know someone, a mutual contact, right? But LinkedIn allows you to do those types of things. And so we coach our clients on when you do that, what do you say? What are the initial things that you say, right? Do you ask them for a job right away or how do you approach that? And so those are some of the things that that we help our clients think through. And we call it the air war and the ground war, right? The air war is you dropping your resume, submitting it into Indeed, Career Builder, LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter, and kind of hoping to hear back versus the ground war, which is that networking piece, which is really crucial. Almost all of our clients who do that ground war piece, they find jobs way faster than those who are just submitting their resume. How important do you think a service like LinkedIn is? I know there's a a subscription fee and some people spend a tremendous amount of time on it. Others don't. I see people commenting on other people's posts and I'm wondering, are they doing that just to get noticed or are they doing it because they care? And I've always kind of wondered, like, how significant is LinkedIn? During the period of the job search, I think LinkedIn is really important. One, for the reasons that I just mentioned, there are additional reasons as well, too, that I think are really important. And one maybe that people don't think about often is LinkedIn is oftentimes used as an accountability tool. So what I mean by that is, look, I'm I'm an HR person. I'm screening 300 resumes. Come across your resume. We've narrowed it down to 20 people and maybe 15 of them we want to bring in for an interview. I'm about to pass it over to a hiring manager. On that piece of paper that you just handed in to me, theoretically, you could write whatever you want on that piece of paper. Now, I want to know, are you willing to say the same things on LinkedIn where previous employers, previous coworkers, people in your network, they can see. And so there's a level of accountability. And so you want to see consistency in those two things to give me some confidence that you are who you say you are. And that's why things like you know, LinkedIn pictures and profile pictures are, they're important because it puts a face to a name. I know HR folks who will come down to 10 candidates and they'll eliminate some just because there's no LinkedIn profile. They're like, I don't know if this person is real. This person, I can't really verify a lot of what they're saying. Whereas it's just an extra layer of proving who you are. And so a lot of people don't look at it from that perspective, but I think that's really important. And then again, that networking piece is is so crucial. So, I mean, it's not super important for a lot of people that are already fully employed, not looking to make a change. But if you are looking to make a change, at least for that period of time, hop on LinkedIn. I'm always surprised too, to see how how many managers are on LinkedIn on weekends? You ever do something, you ever go on the LinkedIn and you see so-and-so viewed your profile and you look and it's a manager of whatever company. And it's like, wow, they're paying attention. They're paying attention off hours, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's always, I know it's a whole sidebar about LinkedIn, but I do think that LinkedIn, when we're talking about career advice and career coaching and counseling, that 
LinkedIn, I was very curious to know how important of a role it plays because it does appear from the outside in. It is important. So to hear it from somebody who deals with it every day and works with it every day, that's that's good to hear that it really is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. And we're always on our phones too, right? Uh, so people are get their kids games and that's their, maybe the killing time on that. So totally true. You never know. You never know when they're going to check in. Talk to me a little bit about career coaching and what that entails. Yeah. So our coaching isn't necessarily focused on helping people figure out what they want to do. I and mean, I'm not knocking that. I think there's a lot of really good career coaches that can help you think through some things. We tell our clients oftentimes, like we said, we're a professional branding companies. So typically the clients that are the best match for us are those who come to the table and maybe they don't know exactly what they want to do, but they have some ideas. And so one of the things that we ask them for is to give us one or two job postings that reflect those types of things that, that you're looking to target. You're not married to it, but we want to see the direction that you're moving towards. And then we do have some clients, like for example, and I'll use teachers as an example again, is they're like, hey, I really want to get out of teaching, but I really don't know what I want to do. And I tell them, look, you could hire a career coach and they might give you some assessments and personality assessments and things like that. And you might pay a lot of money to do those types of things. And they might boil it down and say, Hey, you know, Carolyn, this is exactly the type of job that you should be doing. And I tell them, I said, if you think back at all of your jobs that you've ever had, and if you think at the job posting, right? Your very first job, your second job that you've had, the job probably ended up being pretty different than what the job posting was, or at least what you thought it was going to be. And so I tell them to some degree, you're not really going to know, right? If you're like, Hey, I really want to do a customer success until you are actually in that role, you're not really going to know. So I tell them, I said, Hey, what's a better way to find out whether something is good for you or not? And I think a better way of doing it, and this is why LinkedIn is so important is to reach out to people who are already doing it, right? And so LinkedIn has really powerful advanced search features where, say, for example, you're a teacher, you can search and you're interested in human resources management. You put human resources manager and then you search people and then you put past companies and you start putting in all those school districts, New York Public Schools, you put in your school district, Fairfax County Public Schools, a school district of Philadelphia, Boston Public Schools, whatever it is, right? Put all these in. And then what you'll see is you'll start to see people that currently have the title human resources manager, but previously have worked at a school district. And now you can reach out to them and don't ask for a job, but you can say, oh, you know, I saw that you're over at Capital One now doing human resources management. I'm a former educator. We're actually at the same school district. You're a Penn State alum. I'm a Penn State alum. I'd love to just connect with you, learn a little bit more about how you made your transition. Maybe one out of 10, two out of 10 people respond. But when they do, they're the ones who are actually going to give really good advice. They're going to say, yeah, you know, when I transition out, I really wish I knew early on that I should get XYZ certification, right? And so they're the ones who are giving you really good advice and they can connect with you because they were a teacher before or they worked at the same company before or whatever it is, right? So I think that's why LinkedIn is really powerful as well too in allowing you to reverse engineer that process where you can find people who are doing the things that you're thinking about doing and they're the ones who will give you the real picture of the challenges and the joys of that type of profession. That's so smart. To me, that's not just getting advice on a job that you may be looking at that they've done in the past. It's also a great networking tool because it's sort of like a warm lead now, right? Or a warm call in because you have something in common. Exactly. You come in not just out of the blue saying, can you give me advice? Or I have a question for you. It's like, we actually have this in common. You've done this. I want to do this. And I think that's so smart. I never would have thought to do that on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's a really neat tool. And you couldn't have done that without LinkedIn before. There's no way you could have done it, right? There's no no, no. way to connect with folks that way. Well, you mentioned professional branding. 
at the beginning of that. I want to know what that entails. I'm guessing it is, are you referring to your brand, how people perceive you, what you're looking to present yourself as? Yeah, I think so. And as a career coach, we use the word career coach because that's what SEO is looking for, right? People are searching for a career coach. Very few people put in professional branding, but you know, what we really are is we hope people think that we're a really good resume writing shop, right? So we do resume writing, interview preparation, salary negotiation. So when you are branding yourself for the market and potential employers, we want to make sure that your brand stands out. And so your personal brand, as in Carolyn or Tim, what do I want people to know about me when I'm applying for a job here or I'm having a conversation about a potential position or things like that? What's next for you guys? What are your plans? So we are a certified 8A company, which is with the federal government. It's a status that you can get as minority business owners. And so one of the areas that we'd really like to grow in is to work with some federal agencies. And so we've already done that a little bit. We worked at the U.S. Navy. We did a, a contract over the summer. And so there's not a ton of work in the federal government that does what we do, but there are some particular markets. Two that we have been thinking about, one is military. So military folks, when they come out, when they either retire or separate from the military, there's an established program called the TAP program, which is the Transitions Assistance Program. And so you could be a retiring colonel. And if you are in the military, you do 20 years, you're eligible for retirement. You started when you're 18 or 22, you're 42, right? When you come out. And so a lot of those folks are looking for a second career. So for many of them throughout their career, they've always been told what to do, right? This is your assignment. This is where you're going. They have tremendous skill sets, but they're not exactly sure how to market themselves for that. And so there is a TAP program in place right now where they run seminars to help folks. And we'd love to go in and maybe even shake that up a little bit and not just teach people how to write a resume, but really maybe even do it for them, right? And so when they, a year before they retire, they have their professional presentation put together and they have a game plan of action on how to make that transition smooth. The second market within the federal government is something that's sort of near and dear to my heart is the prison system. So the federal prison system. And so folks that are coming out of prison that are transitioning out of prison, helping them make that transition, right? So some folks that have been in there for many years, they come out, they don't know what LinkedIn is. I mean, they, they've heard of it or even an iPhone. They iPhone's not that old. You know, they might've gone in, there was no iPhone, you come out and now there's all these different types of things. It's a whole new world when you come out and how do you find a job, especially with a record in the past. And, and we know recidivism rates are very high for folks that come out because unless you find a job, you have like a 65, 70% chance of going back to prison. Finding a job is one of the key factors of preventing someone from going back into the prison system. And so is there a way that we can take the skill sets that we have to help them uh, in this area? When I was a consultant with a company called Booz Allen, and this is in 2008, we were put on a contract to work with a government agency called Unicorp. A lot of people haven't heard of them. And so that's the brand name of Federal Prison Industries. So Federal Prison Industries is a wholly owned government corporation under the Department of Justice Federal Bureau of Prisons. And it was actually a works program that was started by Eleanor Roosevelt in the 1930s. And what it does is Every federal prison, and I didn't know this until I started working there, every federal prison in the United States, when they build that prison, inside that prison facility, they build a factory. 
And the purpose of that factory is to manufacture things that typically that they would sell back to the federal government when they were a mandatory source, but really to give job training to inmates when they are in prison. So when they come out, they have manufacturing skills. So for example, Butner, North Carolina, there is a medium and high prison there. And there are, I think, something like 60 or 80,000 square foot factory. And when I visited it, they produce, along with the other factories within the system, I think about one third of all the battle dress uniforms, the BDUs, all the camouflage uniforms that soldiers wear. And so they do a whole cut and sew operations. And you walk in and there's just rows and rows and rows of sewing machines. And on the side, they have all the textiles that are there. And you have folks that are cutting out all the patterns. And then they go from the back and then they pass each step of the shirt all the way to the end. And then apparently the most complicated seam is the one that goes you know, down here, the longest seam that connects everything all together. From your elbow yeah, to your Yeah, all the way down. Yeah. yeah. And so at the very front row is where the most skilled seamstresses seamstress, or seamsters. Seamsters. I don't know. It was a men's prison, but seamsters, I guess. They do the most complicated and they're the most skilled and that's it. And during the 2000s when we're going to the war, there was a sense of purpose. So these guys are actually really good. They want to come in and and they want to do something. And there's pride in their work as well, too. When I was there, we were manufacturing solar panels that they were selling back to the federal government. And I'd ask some of the inmates, you know, tell me a little bit about what you're doing. And you can just see their faces light up. And they were given a purpose. Just like us, it doesn't matter whether you're inside the bars or outside, you have a purpose. As you come to work, my purpose is to give people confidence at a time when they don't feel confident. Their purpose was to create these things that could help whatever it was, you know, reduction in carbon footprint and all these different types. Of, and so, you know, having that purpose is just fantastic. And it gives people a step in their life as well, too. And so that's why it's near and dear to my heart. We actually started a nonprofit called Your Next Story. So our company name is Your Next Jump, but Your Next Story is focused specifically to help reintegrating citizens. Fantastic. Tim Lowe, thank you. Yeah. Now with us to discuss some of the resources available for building a human element and bringing life to business goals and professional development is Carrie Martinelli, Vice President of Talent at Selective Insurance. Carrie, welcome. So Carrie, right out of the gate, tell me how Selective helps their employees with professional development. So from a professional development perspective, we strongly encourage a lot of development planning by our employees. And what that means is we ask individuals to think about what's next for them, think about how they want to develop as a professional, and we help them and provide them with the resources. So it's very much a part of who we are. It's a part of our values. It's part of our encouragement for employees. So we will help them with the development plans. We have various mentorship programs. We have leadership development programs. And we work very closely with all the employees that seek that professional development to bring a new skill set, build a new network, things of that nature. I think it's so neat you guys do that because there are so many companies. I mean, we couldn't even count that high where you're working for them and you really don't know if that company has your best interest in mind aside from like the job that you're doing in the moment that you've been hired for. So to know that Selective goes kind of above and beyond and actually cares about employee development is awesome. Yes, we actually have talent development partners as well that will work very closely with our employees. It's a newer role that was introduced 
maybe a year or two ago. So it's something that we are adjusting to and having a lot more people have outreach to, but it's also, it's like a consultant, or as I call it, the guidance counselor to help individuals through their (laughs) development. I love that. You know, Tim was talking to us. We had sort of a a conversation and LinkedIn came up and talking about like tips that job seekers, how they can use LinkedIn to network and recruiters can sort of fact check candidates, tactics that weren't possible at all before social networking. So is LinkedIn a resource that Selective utilizes from time to time? We utilize LinkedIn very regularly in a few different ways. LinkedIn is a great avenue for us to post job opportunities that are available. It's an opportunity for our hiring managers that work within Selective to then share those job postings to reach a network of individuals that they may be once knew, once worked with, that have just met over time. But LinkedIn also provides us with market insights to help us understand depending on the geography or the skill set that we are looking Mm -hmm. for, it helps us to assess where are the most candidates. It also is a great place for us to get information. As you know, if you've ever looked at LinkedIn, you've noticed that there's various articles, various learnings, various opinions. And a lot of that can (laughs) shape how we look when we look at our talent strategy and look to look for candidates. And it also helps us to see the outreach of that candidate or that employee that might be looking for a new opportunity. So it's a great knowledge base for us on many, many levels. I follow you guys or several employees at Selective on LinkedIn, and I see your posts all the time. And it's such a good point that you made about the articles, because when I first signed up for LinkedIn years ago, I thought, well, this is just to network with other people and connect with other people. But then right on that right-hand column, you see the articles and so... Welcome to social media. It's so amazing how it's always feels like it's targeted at you, right? Which I'm sure is an algorithm, but I love LinkedIn for that. So I'm glad you brought that up. We actually also encourage our employees to share their experiences. So you'll notice a lot of our volunteerism, a lot of our get togethers are showcased on LinkedIn at hashtag life at selective. I have to say when I was looking at joining Selective, I used that hashtag to get a sense of the culture and understand more about the organization. I'm sure that LinkedIn is a huge factor in recruitment for Selective, but how do you guys typically recruit? Here at Selective, we have various avenues that we will take as part of our recruiting strategy by position or by role. So we use LinkedIn. We have our hiring managers share job opportunities on LinkedIn. We also use Mm -hmm. a wide array of job boards that may be industry specific or that may Mm -hmm. be tailored to a specific university or industry related membership program. Um, So you have a lot of, you know, groups that you can post in. We use the typical job boards that are out there for most job seekers that they will use online. And a lot of our employees will refer top-notch candidates to us, which is one of our favorite ways to recruit. But our talent acquisition partners will sit down with our hiring managers at the beginning of the process and walk through which of those avenues do we want to take to then decide where to post the roles and decide ultimately where to gather the best candidates from. Do you breathe kind of a sigh of relief when you have an employee that's a great employee of yours that comes to you and says, oh my gosh, I know someone. Does that not take such a weight off your shoulders, at least in the beginning? It does. It certainly helps. Our employees, like I said, make the best 
recruiters at times because they can refer in. The other sigh of relief I breathe is when we have internal interest in postings because it means we've done the professional development, the development into certain skills and areas really, really well. But our employees here at Selective are unique in their own way and bring their own set of skills and attitudes and overall culture to the organization, which ultimately is the best sense of gaining more candidates because it's more people that are going to jump on board and be a part of our successful family. I love that. And career advancement internally is always so nice too, because it, it's such a, a compliment to management and to the company as a whole. It says, I love working here. I'd like to work here longer and I'd like to do more. So, I mean, that's the ultimate compliment. And there's always room for improvement. We seek feedback from our employee population. We look at our leadership programs and we gain more information so we can build robust programming for our internals so that they can continue to grow as well. But we realize there's always room for improvement. When we talked to Tim, he said his best advice to job seekers is to network. And he talked about the air war and the ground war, which is networking. So do you agree with that or do you have a different view than Tim did? I agree with that. And I have been saying that for years to individuals that seek advice from me when it comes to looking for new opportunities. You can post for positions. And as employers, we need to do a better job of always making sure that we're reacting to the candidate, whether it's with an initial thank you or like letting them know what the process is all about. But when you post for a job, there's an important element to searching for that new opportunity that includes setting yourself apart from the rest. And if that means that you do additional research to find out the name of the recruiter or the hiring manager associated with that job, then you do that and you can send an email or link into them somehow to make sure that you're saying, I did apply for the job, I'm interested in the opportunity, or take Taking it that one step further, differentiation is key when you're looking for opportunities, especially at different levels, depending on your skill set and your career progression. All right, Carrie, thank you so much. Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to say thanks again to today's guest, Tim Lowe from Your Next Jump and Carrie Martinelli from Selective. And thank you, the listener, for pressing play on this episode of Uniquely Small Biz. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review in the podcast store and tune in next month for more inspiring stories from real small business owners. I'm Carolyn McCardle, and this has been Uniquely Small Biz from Selective Insurance. Thank you.